Good morning. How are we, everybody? Awesome. Well, welcome all of you here this morning. Uh, let's say hello again to all of our guests and all of our people who are watching online, and especially our military communities who have either uh, deployed. We've got guys who watch weekly who have deployed. How cool is that? And those of you that have transferred to other bases, let's give them all a good welcome this morning. Glad to have you guys. Well, this is our last week of Heartbreak Hotel. All right, so all your relationships from this point forward are just going to just die. They're just going to just do terribly. No, I hope you've been hanging on to what we've been talking about, what we've been discussing in Scripture, because what we've talked about is how to have healthy relationships. We've been obviously leaning on God's Word. And today we're going to kind of end this out, land this plane, and I want to I dive into what I think is maybe one of the most important aspects of, of really having healthy relationships. But to, to do this, let me kick it, kick it off this way, because I think guys... We aren't quite as attuned relationally as our ladies are. Anybody agree with that? Anybody agree with that? All the ladies just raised their hands. All the guys said nothing. Exactly my point, okay? All right, so sometimes, guys, and, and I, let me just say, I'm, I'm a fellow journeyman with you. I don't always get this right. And for me, I find that I, I, I feel a lot more pressure uh, in areas that I, I stumble into sometimes, like namely like gift-giving uh, I stumble into gift giving and forgetting things and not being like ahead of the curve. Like recently, we've had birthdays. Christy's birthday's coming up real soon, so actually preaching and using this as an illustration helps me to be ready for next week because I know it's coming. But we've had anniversary. You know that we just had anniversary not long ago. And but what's what's the hardest for me is gift giving when it comes to those times of the year. Not Christmas. Christmas is pretty pretty. You know you kind of can. Work through Christmas pretty good. Birthday's pretty good. But for me, the hardest is Valentine's Day. Any, any guys have a difficulty, have difficulty in finding, figuring out what's the right gift to give on Valentine's Day? Because you got all the traditional gifts, but you don't want to be the dork who does the traditional gifts, but yet they're there. So every place you walk into, it's got all the same kinds of stuff. You walk in and you stumble across stuff like this, like, this is cool. Maybe she'll like this. And it's like Altoids, let's get fresh. So you pop one of those in your buggy, right? You're walking around going, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. Well, maybe she'll think I've only got one thing in mind, and that, won't ma- that like, maybe that's not a gift, but maybe she's I'm trying to, like, like make advances. So, but you keep, you keep it in your buggy, but then you walk around, and you're seeing, like, you know, the, the, the flowers. <clears throat> the flowers you see or the chocolates, you get that. You know, you, you think, oh, she loves flowers. That'll say something to her. But you, you want to be cool, you want to have like, I wanna, want her to know that I really loved her, really you just kind of were on your way home and you kind of forgot all about it, but now you're like, oh my gosh, I got to do it. So you're just throwing stuff in your buggy, so you grab the, like the, the biggest, awesomest chocolate, maybe you guys go for like the Dove, dark chocolate, right, because they love Doug, or, but maybe there's, maybe there's Godiva there, or Ghirardelli's chocolate, and you grab that. Or, or you, you, you're, you're got, you've got all that in your buggy, you're rounding home, and all of a sudden you see like, like the Mac Daddy of all Mac Daddies, all of a sudden you see, like, the monkey, right? Right? And you're like, oh, my gosh, she will love me, and I'll be like the stud of all studs. You throw this in your buggy, but it doesn't quite fit. you got to carry it out. So you're that guy. You know, you're at the grocery store, and you're seeing the guy carrying out the monkey, and, they're, and, and all the women right now are watching this guy carry this monkey out, and they're going, no, don't, no, don't, no, seriously. And you're thinking, I'm, I'm paying a lot of money for this. You've already, you know, you've got like 10 bucks in the mints and 20 bucks in chocolates and like another 20 or 30 bucks in flowers. And now you got like 150 bucks and a monkey, right? 
and you're carrying out this monkey, and you're thinking, she's going to love it, and, and you finally walk through the doors, you get home, and you present this all to her, and she's like, wow, you got me a monkey. And she's like, so are we going out tonight? And you're like, heck no, we're broke. I just bought you a monkey, right? So, I mean, guys, you feel this tension, right? You know what I'm talking about when it comes to the tension of getting the gifts? Well, in reality, you know, the gift giving, there's a tension there. But really, for a lot of us, it, there's a lot more tension when it comes to relationships, when it comes to expectations, trying to meet expectations, right? You get married, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're married, you've married into somebody else's family, they've married into your family, and then there's the vacation tension, right? Like, what do we do? Do we go? Do we not go? Whose house do we go? Then all of a sudden you have kids, and then it's like you're not only trying to meet each other's expectations and be the best and not be a dork on thanks or Halloween, excuse me, that's Valentine's Day, you're, you're, you're thinking, how do I meet the school's expectations now? We got homework. I mean, we live in every week homework. It's like, wow, all our schools have so much homework, so we're like trying to meet the school's expectations. We're trying to be great parents. You know, you're trying to think through all the ways that you can be the best, and you just feel, you're, there's pressure, right? You just feel pressure. And then, you know, you get married, and you're married for some period of time, and then you, then you're, you, got, you got bad habits that, that weigh in over time. I mean, you, you've developed some bad habits. Maybe you had them prior to marriage, and now you've married that person, and now they bring those habits into the marriage, and you're trying to... You're trying to work through that, and maybe somebody becomes like the person who wants to help, and you're trying to help that person, or maybe it's going both ways. Maybe you both have some dysfunction. Let's just agree that we all do, right? So you got some dysfunction there, and you're trying to help each other out, and then you're the person who's like maybe the more vocal in the relationship, so you start trying to like verbally like help them, but that backfires, right? Now they're mad at you. Now there's even more pressure because like there's this like, there's a wall that's been put up, or maybe one person becomes codependent on the other person. And you just kind of think like, wow, relationships, man, they can just be a lot of tension, a lot of pressure, trying to do it right. And so what I want to do today, I want to talk about how do we really deal with these, these, these pressure points that just happen in relationships because we're both flawed. We're all flawed. I mean, since the beginning of time until now, we're broken people. We're not perfect. What I love, Ed's got a Wow, I got a lot of perfect people, no perfect people shirts on today in the, in the audience. I mean, that's us, no perfect people allowed. But, but, but in reality, we really aren't, right? The shirts are cool, but we really aren't perfect people. So I want to jump in this morning's conversation and dive right into a statement that I think will be sort of the, the, uh, the lead-in to where we go in this. And I want you to jot this down. It's not in your notes, but you do have some good stuff in your notes today. But jot this down, patience and kindness can transform the pressure you feel into the love that you want. I'm going to show you a verse on this, but write this down. Patience and kindness. This is huge in relationships. Two massive words that, like, sometimes feel so intangible, so hard to get our arms around, but patience and kindness, kindness can transform the pressure you feel. All those pressures we talked about, right? All those pressures, all those tensions of I want to do it right, I want to bring the right gift home, I want to be the best person I can, patience and kindness can transform the pressure you feel into the love that you want. Now, right on the onslaught of this conversation, this is not something we have on our own, if you haven't noticed. This is not just, just, you know, giving all your ability, all, you know, nurturing all the willpower you have in you just to do this all on your own, because this is not something that's just natural for us. 
This is honestly, to, to be good in those areas, you've got to have, have God on your side. You've got to be in a relationship with God and be getting that from God to be able to pass it on. So the further we are from God, the more distance we have in the relationship we have with God, then the weaker we're going to be in this kindness and patience area. But let me show you this. There's a, there's a passage. It's, we, we look at it kind of like the love chapter. But Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians where this is, this, is, this is written to the church of Corinth as they are struggling through relationships, but they're really dealing with giftedness. So they're, they're like looking at each other's gifts and saying, hey, uh, you got some, you got, you're, you're gifted, but my gifts, my abilities, what, what, what's going on in my life, I'm better than you. So they kind of, they're judging each other. I don't know if you ever do that in your relationship with your spouse, but sometimes you can look at it like, well, I got it going on better than you right now. Right, I'm 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 in the I'm in the not so bad area of life, and you're in the doghouse right now. And so it's easy to judge, right? But they were judging each other in in the the aspect of this book, and Paul Paul just says, let's just let's just let's just kind of squash this judgment. All right, let's not just look at each other who's better, who's worse, who's got cooler gifts, who's doing it right, who's doing it wrong. So Paul jumps right into this passage, and you probably heard this before. In fact, I think this happens hundreds and thousands of times in weddings all across the world, the globe. Uh, and, and this is the verse that most pastors use. I've used it many times. But Paul writes to kind of squash this judging type thing and help people out relationally speaking. So he says this. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, Love is patient and it's kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It, it, it does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, it keeps no record of wrongs, or keeps, uh, it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I mean, I've got to take a big deep breath after that, right? Like, whoo, that's, that's a whole lot of love, right? And, and, and I think when you hear that, even when I, when I say this, it's like this is good stuff, but the reality is, uh, love is love is patient and kind, but I haven't been, right? This, this is all great stuff. I mean, love is patient, it's kind, but, man, I haven't been lately. You know, and you read through this and you're thinking love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Man, I've been rude like three times this week, right? I mean, I don't know, that's just, that's, the, the reality is, this is great. This is awesome. And, I, and I'm like, wow, that's great. But I mean, in reality, a lot of us aren't experiencing this, right? Th- maybe this is not, that's the quintessential far off I aspire to, but in reality, is this, and, and so I, I read this and I'm like, yeah, it does not demand its own way. Man, I do that sometimes. I, I'm demanding a lot of times. I want my way. I mean, a lot of times we're, we're selfish about the relationship. It's not irritable. How about that one, everybody? Anybody not irritable ever? You know, I mean, like, wow, this is a tough one. It keeps no record of being wronged. Now, I'm very forgetful. I'm, like, very forgetful, but I can conjure up stuff, and I can keep a long record when I need to. I'm just saying. I mean, uh, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. You know, I, I like to be right. Sometimes it's a struggle to admit that I'm wrong. Um... No, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. Uh, I can tell you there's 
multiple times that I'm not believing the best in my spouse or I'm not believing the best in other relationships. I'm believing the worst. And so love's not winning out uh, and, you know, endures in every circumstance. Sometimes I just want to sit down and cry and act like I want to quit sometimes in my relationships. Like, I don't know what to do any longer. It's not working. I'm frustrated. You know, I've done all I can do. And so Paul speaks of this, and he, he says, this is the goal. This is where we can go. And, and, and for a lot of us, the point is, it's foreign in our own strength. For a lot of us, these, this, this is great, great attributes of really a perfect love, but it's not really all too telling about our love for each other, you know, because it's broken. So Paul, Paul's trying to help us grasp that this, yeah, it's, it could feel foreign in our own strength, but it, but it, but it doesn't come through our, our relationship. It comes through our relationship with Christ. And as we continue to grow in our relationship with God, and as we continue to surrender daily, God, I need your help. I'm surrendering to you today. I've got to have you today in this relationship that I have earthly on all these, on all these fronts, work, job, kids, spouse, you know, whatever. As we surrender to God, he changes our hearts, and he can do that. And so Paul writes this. He's like, hey, this is attainable. It is attainable. Jesus came that you might have what? Have life and have it more full, have it more abundantly. God just didn't promise like this spiritual, wonderful, great place in heaven, but he also offers that he would want to redeem us, improve us, grow us, change us right here on earth in the process of our relationships. And so let me make a case. I want to make a case as we go through this this morning that everything in that verse, I believe, flows out of patience and kindness. Because as we receive God's patience, as we receive God's kindness, as we receive that, then all of a sudden all those other things, they, be, they become attainable. That becomes something we can do. So I want to kind of, I want to focus in on just that. I want to focus in on the idea of if we can work on the patience piece, if we can work on the kindness piece, not in our own strength, but in His strength, through, through His strength, I can win in those two areas, and we can win in all the other areas. I really believe that the, the rest of the verse flows out of the first part of the verse. So I want to give you this this morning in your notes. Jot this down. We've got to first respond to the outside pressure, those outside pressures. We can't control them, but we can respond to those outside pressures with patience. I mean, that's God's goal. God's goal is for us to model how he would live if, as he was on earth once, but how he lived on this earth to all those outside pressures. He wants us to respond to those outside pressures with patience, right? They don't control us. We can, we can control us. No one else controls us. I control me through my relationship with Christ. So respond to the outside pressures with patience. Now, um, if you guys keep up, Christie's you know, become like the, um, the dog breeding guru in our home. Uh, we started bringing, uh, we bred dogs as a family when I was a kid. Christy's family hated dogs growing up. We married, we fell in love. She's like anti-dogs. I came home with a puppy one time, had his head sticking out through the, 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 the little hole in my shirt. It was a little beagle, right? And she was like, take it back. Does, remember that? I didn't, you didn't know I was going to say that today. She's like, take it back. And now we're breeding dogs. Now my wife is the dog whisperer, right? People are flying in today to buy a dog from, from New York City. 
right? We've got people coming from all over. It's been a lot of fun. It's been like a family project. It's been really cool. But it wears my patience, all right? I've got our female Springer Spaniel. We call her Maddie. She is like the dog diva. Anybody got diva dogs? So, like, you know, she stays inside more now than ever uh, because we're like, hey, you're making money for us. You know, you're like, so we got to treat you better, okay? Just I'm being keeping it real. So, um, so we take care of our dog better because you're like, cha-ching, we got to take care of this dog. And she, she like, she's like owning it now. She's like working it, own it, like, come on, take care of me. So I get up the earliest in my house. I got to let her outside, and, you know, if it's cold or wet, it's not been lately, uh, just wet, not cold. Thank God we're moving into fall. But, you know, if it's wet outside, she'll tiptoe out there, and it's, it, it, it never fails. And if I, don't, well, if, I, if I let her outside and I shut the front door and I just kind of wait, look through the glass, she won't go to the bathroom. She won't go. She looks back at me like, aren't you going to stand out here with me? So I'll walk outside and I'll stand, and if it's wet and rainy, I'm just kind of like, okay, I love to be back in bed right now, or I got to get rolling. Usually I'm in a rush. I, I, just another, just a little bit of honesty, I'm always in a rush. I'm always frustrated because I've got to get somewhere. Even if I don't have somewhere to go, I've got to get somewhere. Anybody like that? You, like, you, you struggle with patience? I struggle with patience. I really, really do. It's, it's something that God's been breaking in me for my entire lifetime. I'm always on the go, always in a rush. Even if I don't know where I'm going, I've got to get there. So my dog's outside. I'm frustrated with my dog. So I'm like standing out there. You know, for whatever reason, she doesn't want to go. You know, she comes inside. And recently, uh, you know, since we've had these puppies, she does this thing where as she's been nursing them and they're beginning, they, they're now like kind of weaning off the nursing and they're getting into real food. Dogs do this, but my dog loves to do it. She, loves, she throws up. She throws up so they'll eat. Oh, that's so disgusting in church, I know. But like, so I let her go to the bathroom. She could have thrown up outside, but she walks in and is like, bleh, she throws up. And I'm like, Christy, you got to help me. I've got to get to work. I got to go. She's like, where are you going? I don't know. You just got to help, right? So, I mean, that's how it is. So, so, so here's what patience does. When we can act with patience, when we cannot let those outside pressures just totally annihilate us, we can slow down for a moment. Patience, what patience does, it pushes pause on the drama in our lives. Have you ever noticed how a patient word to somebody kind of pushes pause on the drama? Had you done it this way, you would now know what I'm talking about, right? You'd know the difference. But a lot of us, we don't respond with patience. And so all of a sudden, it's just drama. It's all, it's like, okay, I just blew it up because I was so irritable, right? I was irritable. I was short. I let that outside pressure get to me, and now I'm like yelling through the house, someone come help me because the dog, right? Y'all tracking with me? You been there before? So what we've got to do in these moments, and here's, we've got to almost like take a step back and look at the situation for a moment, maybe like take some deep breaths. Anybody remember uh, anger management, right? Kus fraba, kus fraba, remember that? So here's what we've got to do. We've got to... We need to pause in, that mo- in those moments. Pause and remember how patient God has been to me. God, you, you've, you've given me patience before. God, you've been kind to me before. So, Lord, because you've been kind, you've been patient to me, uh, I, I, I'm receiving that. And as we 
slow down long enough to recognize all the times that God has said, okay, here's what you're doing right now, but I'm going to be patient with you right now. You're totally blowing it right now. And, and you know what it's like to do something really bad and all of a sudden be blessed? Like God, you know, it's not, that's not how it always works, but it's easy to recognize there are times that you deserve less than grace, but God gives you grace. He gives you patience. He gives you kindness. So oftentimes what we've got to do is recognize that patience requires some empathy, right? To be patient, you've got you've to empathize with somebody. Um, I remember when we first started having kids, or before we had kids, I remember flying places with Christy and seeing those people walk on the plane with kids. And before you ever have kids, you see those people walk on and you're like, oh my gosh, are you serious? Right? And you're like, I hope you see them coming down the aisle and you're like begging God, please let them sit up there. Right? I don't want to sit next. If you've ever had a long flight and you've got someone walking in with a baby, you know what you're thinking. Right? But then all of a sudden you have kids. And I remember that one of the very first times we had, we were like lugging in kids. We had, we've got three children. So we're lugging in kids on this plane. Fortunate one's, one's older. You know, she's four years older than the other two. Um, and then they're, they're, we're, we're lugging them all in. And I can see people, their eyes are big. And I'm like, oh, no, we're that guy. And I'm like, and I'm like communicating with men, like subconsciously. I'm like going, like, bro, sorry about this, man. I'm just like looking at people. I can see them looking at me, and I'm going like, I know, man, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, you know, I'm like communicating with people as I'm walking down the aisles. And then I'm like, oh, here's the one schmuck we're sitting next to, right? And so we all load up. He's, on the, he's, he's in the window, and we all sit down. I sit down, and I'm like, sorry, man. He's like, yeah, me too, you know. And, and then... And then, then what happens to you is once your kids get older and now we fly easy, you see that other family they're walking on, right? And all of a sudden, they're sitting down next to you, and all of a sudden, you can empathize with them, right? I, I remember, I don't remember how long ago, maybe a year or two ago, I'm, I'm watching a family come onto the plane, and they're like, you, you know, she's got no makeup on, you know, her hair's jacked up, you know, he's like frustrated, like, Ugh, like, you know, guys get like, you know, we don't talk well, we're just like, Ugh. we're just making man noises, like, because it's like, just breathe, just get sat down, and it'll be all right, but the kids are acting like nuts, they're pulling people's hair, I remember this, this family sitting next to me, and her, her son's messing with me, and I finally just said, look, it's fine, it's really fine. I got three kids. We've been in your shoes. She's like, really? I'm like, listen, no one really thinks about it as much as you do, and I'm totally lying, right? Like, all the single people, all the non-kid people, they're, like, frustrated. But the, but the, but the people with kids were okay with it. Why? Because we've been there. We've been there. So it takes empathy, recognizing that if we just try a little bit harder to put ourselves in their shoes, it makes a massive difference. Jesus put himself in our shoes. He, he filled the shoes first when he came on this earth. He modeled it to us. He modeled love. He modeled grace. And so he modeled what it's like to put himself in our shoes before we ever filled the shoes. And so it's a, it's a great, great mindset for us to have. As he's forgiving us, as he's showing us kindness, as he's showing patience, let's just step back and empathize for a moment. Hey, I, I, I've been hurt before. Uh, you're hurting me right now, but I've hurt others, right? I'm so mad at you right now about what you've done, but I've, I've done the same thing before. And so it's, it's, it's really critical for us if we're going to win in this patience 
uh, scenario for us to empathize. I think patience also requires some humility, right, doesn't it? It requires some humility. I'll never forget my son, J.D., uh, used to always clog the toilets up. used to drive me crazy. I've become an ex- expert on unclogging toilets. I can change every part out on a toilet. I can take it off. The, I can take the whole thing up and get down in, like, way below the commode to get things out. I mean, J.D. dropped slinkies in. I mean, like, slinkies can really mess it up because they're hard to get. Uh, his favorite was Matchbox cars. He was a mad Matchbox car guy. So he would, like, here's a car. It floats, right? No, it's, it sinks. And then he would love to flush it, right? And it just it would be cool to see that car kind of swirl and go down. And I used to say, J.D., don't put your cars, don't put your toys in the commode. And I remember one day I was just coming home, and I was like, uh, I'm just going to chill out today. I just want to sit down. Uh, I just want to watch the news, or I just want to wa- watch ESPN. I just want to, I don't want to do anything. And I had to go to the bathroom, and I walked into the restroom, and the toilet's clogged up, and I see, it, I see, it, I see one of his cars in the bottom of it. And I go, J.D., JD, and I can't find that boy in the entire house. So I come back to get the, t- the toilet unplugged, and I hear him whimpering. He's hiding in the shower from me. I pull the curtain back, and he's got big crocodile tears because I've been, I'm, he knows I'm mad. And he knows, he knows what he's done because I've been saying it to everybody in the whole house as I've walked around, Who's, who did it? And I know it's JD, right? And so I get down, and I can see he's, he's, he's tenderhearted, and he's very... He's real tender and he's real tough. I mean, when you come down on it, it doesn't take much for J.D. to, to get to the place of, of like, I'm sorry. And so I got on my knees and I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? You know, Dad's told you a hundred times. And he's like, I don't know, three or four years old. And I'm like, you keep doing this and you can't do this because Dad's got to keep fixing the toilet and you don't know what a pain that is. And, you know, we clog it and the water runs over and it's nasty, son. Don't do that, right? And you know what he says to me? He's like, Dad, I don't. I said, well, I asked him, I said, why do you do this? You know what he said? He's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, yeah, I, I get that. And, and then all of a sudden, he, he was, we were just sitting there, and I'm like, buddy, you got to stop, you got to stop. And he's like, sometimes, and he just said this as a four-year-old, he's sometimes I want to do right, but I just don't do it. And all of a sudden, my heart just like just melted because I'm like, I've done that. I, I, I used to drive my dad crazy. And all of a sudden in that moment, as he said that, I realized like, oh, I just, I've blown it as a dad. Here I'm just chewing him over, over matchbox cars in a toilet. The, neither one of those matter to me at all. He matters. The toilet doesn't. The matchbox, the, 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 the mess it could have made. But all of a sudden I realized in that moment, I've been there also. How many other things have I done to make people angry, to hurt people, to do it wrong, to not do it right. I do it all the time. I'm, I'm, I leave a wake of mistakes behind me. When I'm really honest with myself, when I'm really honest about me, yeah, I, I, I'm like, I live mistakes, right? So who am I to be so prideful that I would judge everybody else differently than I would judge myself, even my own kids? And so it takes patience Our patience requires us to have some humility, to say, you know what? Been there, done that. So I want to give you this this morning. The second thing is this. We've got to respond not only to outside pressure with patience, but we've got to respond 
to inside pressure with kindness, right? Inside pressures with kindness. Um, Gary Chapman, um, I think we mentioned him a couple weeks ago, maybe one of the books he wrote, but Gary Chapman's written a lot of great books on relationships, and in his book, One More Try, he tells about this story of a woman who was so hurt by her husband. I mean, she was like literally destroyed, but then risen back up with like the utmost anger because of her, because her, her being so hurt and wounded and bruised. And so she's so angry. She's meeting with her, her counselor, and she's explaining to him how and what her husband's done to her and how she wants to kill him. Like she's ready to divorce right now. Like ready, let's sign the papers right now. And I don't know if this was genius or if this was an accident from her counselor, but her counselor said that, okay, so you really want to hurt him. Here's what you do. If you really want to divorce him, here's what I would say before you do that. Let's, yeah, let's, let's roll with that. You want to crush him? Let's, okay, I'll tell you what you do. You go home and you just shower him with all your best, like all your love, all your affection, all your attention. And then after you shower him with all your attention, he's going to fall in love with you. And then at that moment, you crush him. You come back and we'll get the divorce papers ready and you'll, follow, you'll, you'll divorce him then. She's like, oh, okay, awesome. Now, I don't, I don't know if you agree with that, counselor philosophy. But here's what happens. She goes home and for like a month, she just like, like I mean like lathers it all on. Like just the cake, the icing, like everything builds him up, you know, all the stuff we've been talking about for the last month. She's just doing it all, right? So she comes back for her next appointments like a month later. She shows up, and, he's, and the counselor's like, all right, how did it go? I did everything you said. Did it work? She goes, yeah. He's like, like, he's like all over me. He's like, he's like improving. And so he says, all right, well, let's do it. Let's sign the paper. She's like, wait, 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 wait a second. I don't want to do that right now. Why not? Well, because I've fallen back in love with them. <laughs> so, so what this looks like is if we're going to win in these areas that are so vital in our relationships, it's going to take us responding to those inside pressures with kindness. That kindness she gave, unknowingly, she was deceived by her counselor, was a reverse psychology, but it worked. It worked for him and it worked for her. Now, here's what's, here's what's at play here. When you intentionally act kind towards a person, it changes how you feel towards them. You should write that down. That pens ought to be going because this is so simple, it's huge. This is massive. When you intentionally act kind towards a person, it changes how you feel towards them. Ed Griffin and Hagen and I talk about this all the time. In, our, in Ed's uh, M25 ministry, M25 40 ministry, <laughs> My wife is dying. Ed is dying. I know. I get it wrong all the time. It's just me. I got it right, but I, I kind of wheeled and dealed till I got it right. So um, it is just so amazing. God's genius of like setting up the church on Sunday mornings. You serve, you grow. You play a role, you grow. You go show up and you invest in somebody else, you grow. When, you, when you're serving somebody, whoever you're serving, you fall in love with that person. You all of a sudden, you're, out, you're able to empathize with them more. When you, are, when you are giving acts of service, 
wherever you're doing it to or towards, your heart softens towards that individual. This is, this is not psychology, although it is, but it's birthed out of, like, Jesus, out of God. I mean, his disciples weren't just growing because they followed Jesus around and he talked. And he, and he discipled them. He matured them through his teaching. No, that was one part of it. The truth will set you free. That's what God's word says about what his word will do, with, uh, do through us. But it's both and. It's when you take God's truth that enables you to go do his work and you go do his work, you grow and change through it. That's why church is not just a spectator sport. You want to grow, plug in. You want to grow in your marriage, plug in. You want to grow in your relationships, start acting towards that person how you want them to act towards you. We talked about that last week. So when you intentionally act towards a person, it changes how you feel towards them. This is, this is Romans 8 or 12 too. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? It's a daily practice. Right? I renew my mind every day with God's Word. I've got a message to speak this morning, and I wanted to renew my notes, review my notes, but I wanted to renew my heart. So I, I got my Bible app this morning, and I read the verse of the day first. Because I just need something for me today. Not just for you, but, I mean, obviously this is for me too. I'm living this, right? All week long I've been practicing my kindness, and Christy's like, what's up? I'm preaching on it Sunday. i gotta, I got to do better, okay? I can't stand up and be a complete hypocrite, okay? Need help, all right? So we're transformed through the renewing of our minds, but we renew our minds by practicing it. If you don't practice the renewal, you don't do God's word, you can't grow. So that's why we see a lot of baby Christians still, because they got God's word, but they did nothing with it. You can't grow apart from practicing, renewing your mind so that you may discern God's will, Right? That's a benefit out of following God, activating what he's doing in your life, following and saying, God, I'll go do it now. Uh, here's your will, now go do it. And also in knowing, knowing and understanding what, what good, what's good and acceptable and perfect out of God's will. So here's the thing. Studies showed uh, couples who stayed together longer chose to interpret. Those who stayed together longer, they chose to interpret the other's actions in the best light possible. Couples who stay together longer, they found that those couples were choosing to see each other in better light. I'm choosing to not believe the worst. I'm choosing to believe the best in you. So what if we said we're going to believe the best in our marriage and our spouse? What if you just, what if you just every day that was a part of your, your, your daily renewal today, God? As you, as I'm soaking in your word, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to choose to believe the best of my spouse. Whatever happens today, whatever she says, whatever I say, whatever I misinterpret that she says, I'm going to not interpret it poorly. I'm going to interpret it as if I believe the best in her. Right? Do you know how much drama would be changed in your marriage and your life if you would believe the best in the other person? In your marriage, in your colleagues at work, at work. Well, I, why do I want to believe the best in them? Because it's good for you, and it's good for them. You'll change you, and you'll change them by believing the best in them. You keep believing the best in some, somebody, they'll be better because of it. I, I'm, Christy's like, she's so much brighter and smarter than me. Oh, my gosh. 
Uh, she literally like is the neck that turns the head. You know the old the movie, right? If, uh, what was that? Yeah, big fat Greek wedding. That was hilarious, right? Men, we think we got it going on. No, 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 no. They like they like control us, like remote control. Like uh, right? that's that's what it is. When she does me that way, she's in. She, I'm powerless, but I become what she believes best in me, and it works both ways. I remember. One day, getting really, really frustrated on my day off. Uh, Mondays are my day off. Uh, I like to just go like, uh, okay, weekend's over, you know, the week's over. Monday's my day off. And I like to do nothing on Mondays, or I like to go do just fun stuff to get my mind off church and just turn off everything, get my phone out of my pocket, no, 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 to everything and everybody. And I remember this one particular week, um, Christy, talked me into to going into town with her, and we were going to see a, a, a movie matinee. That's kind of a, a fun Monday for me. We'll go, we'll go drop the kids off. We'll work out. It's like this is the perfect Monday. Work out, um, go eat breakfast or an early lunch, and then jump into like a noon movie so then we can get back and see, you know, like grab the kids from school. That's a Monday day. That's like the best Monday day off for me. Um, and so Christy was like, hey, on the way, can we run an errand? You know that goes, right? So all of a sudden, sure, let's, okay, yeah, let's do that. So we're in Target, and then Target leads to Publix, and then Publix leads to, I mean, you know, like Old Navy, and then Old Navy leads to some home goods. And I'm just, I'm like now, I'm, I'm like brewing, like I'm seeing red. And so all of a sudden, I've just had enough. I'm like, baby, th- this is the worst day ever. That was brilliant. I, I, and all of a sudden, I say, baby, this is the worst day ever. This is not what I want on my day off. Well, what she hears is, I don't want to be with you on my day off. So all of a sudden, she has a carefully crafted set of, like, stuff she says back to me. And so I'm like, okay, whatever. And so all of a sudden, you know, we, we are, um, I'm more the vocal one in the relationship, and she's more the quiet one, but sometimes we flip-flop. So on that day, I was like, I'm not saying nothing. So like for the next four hours, we didn't go to the movies, we didn't work out, we didn't go to breakfast, we just still, we just went and did errands. And like, we just were like, were you you so mad, you just want to continue in being mad, you're not going to let it go? So we didn't speak to each other, we didn't speak to each other until about four o'clock. And I remember her making an effort, we're walking through some store, and she, after about a couple hours, she reaches over and she holds my hand. And so we go down one aisle, and I'm not ready to give in, and I just let go of her hand. I'm just keeping it real, okay? I didn't say I was great at all this. I, didn't, I, never, said, I never said I'm the best pastor in the world, okay? But I do keep it real. And I, I remember just seeing her face like, man, I'm making an effort. He's not ready to give in. And finally, we, you know, we got home later in the day, and I, I'm, 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 I'm over being mad, the emotion, the the brewings kind of died down, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm trying to make an effort back because she's already made an effort. And I'm like, Christy, I never meant it that way. And we, we exchanged words, and we hugged, we kissed, we made up, and we, we always do that well. I mean, it's, that's not a hard one because we do circle around, and we, we do, we do kind of always communicate, communicate it back to each other. And I remember just thinking about, like, if I would have just believed the best, if she would have just believed the best, we wouldn't have had that miserable day. If, you, if we would just empathize with the other person, 
We, we could just say, you know, I've been where you're at. I've said things like that before, too. I've done, if we could just empathize with the people around us and understand if we could just give the patience, step out of our, our little world for a moment, look at the problem, empathize knowing God's been patient with me, God's been grace giving to me when I've never deserved it. If I could be humble enough to, to, to suck my pride up and act like I'm, I'm imperfect in those moments, right, when they count, then I could believe the best. And we could have avoided that whole miserable day. And so here's the thing. Second Peter says this, and I love, I love this, and I, wanna, I just want to end with this verse for you today. This is one I want you to take to the bank. It says this. And here's what I love about our Lord. This is what makes God so amazing in His grace. He says this, The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise. What, what, what God's doing in the world, right? Big, big picture. God's not being slow at His promise. You know, him, his, his return. His return, His grace, His love, what He did for salvation, His home for us in heaven. He's talking, you know, really large and, and building His kingdom and wooing all mankind to come back to Himself and to be in relationship with Him. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some of us think. No. He's being patient for what? For your sake. Wow. So what does that personally mean to you? God's being patient for your sake. Why? Maybe it's for your relationship. Maybe God's trying to model to you patience for your sake. Not for theirs. He wants to work on you. But what if this? What if God's being patient for your sake because he doesn't want anyone destroyed but wants everyone to do what? Repent. What if, just what if, just what if God has you here today and his word for you is patience? Maybe God wants you to take some spiritual steps today and just say, you know what, God, I'm going to surrender my heart to you today in this area of the relationships. I'm going to start choosing to receive what you're trying to do in me. Some of us, we're so hardcore, we don't want to receive God's love for us. You're so bruised up and hurt by your environment and your past, it's hard to receive grace. You, you know it by all the people you're not giving grace to. When you're not giving grace, when you're not giving kindness, guess what? You're not getting it all that well. So maybe you need to humble yourself, get on your knees and say, okay, God, wow, I, I recognize it. Maybe you recognize it this morning. Maybe God's just like really shown you this morning. You're struggling getting his grace. It's not because he's not giving it. Remember, he's being patient. He's being patient for you, for this day, for this moment. For some of you, it's for you to just kind of improve in some areas. For some of you today, it's, it's for salvation. For some of you, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, and he's being patient for you and coming back to this earth for you to know him for salvation's sake. And then that, isn't that awesome? God showing patience to the entire world, maybe on the count of you today to say yes to him. Whoa. That's huge. So maybe today, your simple next step would be say just, just one word, yes. Yes to Jesus. Just yes. 
Maybe he's working in your heart right now, and you know exactly what he's trying to lead you to do in your marriage, your relationship, and it's just yes. And maybe this morning you, you, you showed up and someone invited you, and maybe you're new to the whole church still. Maybe, maybe you've been in church all your life, but you know down deep you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe today it's just yes. He's reaching down from heaven saying, I want to pull you out of your mess. I want to give you grace. I want to forgive you of your sins. I want to give you salvation. It's just grabbing hold of the hand. Saying yes. I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite all of you to take that next step, whatever it is for you. A salvation step. A yes step to being patient and kind and acknowledging God's grace forgiveness in your life today. Let's pray. Lord, we, we just surrender to you today. We just say yes because you're moving us towards a fresh new walk with you and leveraging who you are in us to be that to others. God, you want to make all things new. You want to bring health to all things. You want to bring health to us. You want to bring health to the relationships we're in. God, we say yes to that. And so, God, renew us. Let us be in your word. Let us give time to being with you so that relationship would grow and we could nurture it and then give that grace that we're receiving to others. God, I pray for the man, the woman, the child here today. They would say, I'm not a, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I've never really bowed the knee and said yes to him for salvation, for love, for grace, for forgiveness. And simply today you would say, I want Jesus in me. I need him as my Savior. And I would just say right now with all heads bowed and eyes closed, how many would say that's me today? Can I just see your hands? I see them all over the place. Yes, yes, yes. I need Jesus. I, I, I want him to be my Savior, and I want to submit to him today. I'm going to take the step of saying yes to him. Anybody else? I'm going to pray for you. I want to pray for you this morning. Anybody else? Let me see your hand. I'm going to pray for you. All right, God, I pray for those that would say they want you today. Lord, we just believe your verse, Scripture, truth, where it says that if we bow the knee, if we, if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that you are Lord, it says that we will be saved. God, you gave your son Jesus simply to save the world to model amazing grace, amazing love. And God, we want to receive that grace, that forgiveness, that love today. So we ask that you would fill those who are asking you to be their Savior today. Right now, Jesus, in your name, we pray we would be saved because of your grace. Lord, we celebrate this moment. God, I pray we celebrate in this last song. We love you, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen.